Chapter One of Mary, a fiction by Mary Wollstonecraft. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One Mary, the heroine of this fiction, was the daughter of Edward, who married Eliza, a gentle, fashionable girl with a kind of indolence in her temper which might be termed negative good nature. Her virtues, indeed, were of all that stamp. She carefully attended to the shows of things and her opinions, I should have said prejudices, were such as the generality approved of. She was educated with the expectation of a large fortune, of course became a mere machine. The homage of her attendants made a great part of her puerile amusements, and she never imagined there were any relative duties for her to fulfill. Notions of her own consequence by these means were interwoven in her mind, and the years of youth spent in acquiring a few superficial accomplishments without having any taste for them. When she was first introduced into the polite circle, she danced with an officer, whom she faintly wished to be united to, but her father soon after recommending another in a more distinguished rank of life, she readily submitted to his will, and promised to love, honor, and obey, a vicious fool, as in duty bound. While they resided in London, they lived in the usual fashionable style, and seldom saw each other, nor were they much more sociable when they wooed rural felicity for more than half the year in a delightful country, where nature, with lavish hand, had scattered beauties around. For the master, with brute, unconscious gaze, passed them by unobserved, and sought amusement in country sports. He hunted in the morning, and after eating an immoderate dinner, generally fell asleep. This seasonable rest enabled him to digest the cumbrous load. He would then visit some of his pretty tenants, and when he compared their ruddy glow of health with his wife's countenance, which even Rouge could not enliven, it is not necessary to say which a gourmand would give the preference to. Their vulgar dance of spirits were infinitely more agreeable to his fancy than her sickly, die-away languor. Her voice was but the shadow of a sound, and she had, to complete her delicacy, so relaxed her nerves that she became a mere nothing. Many such knots are there in the female world, yet she had a good opinion of her own merit. Truly she said long prayers, and sometimes read her week's preparation. She dreaded that horrid place vulgarly called hell, the regions below. But whether hers was a mounting spirit, I cannot pretend to determine. Or what sort of a planet would have been proper for her, when she left her material part in this world, let metaphysicians settle. I have nothing to say to her unclothed spirit. As she was sometimes obliged to be alone, or only with her French waiting-maid, she sent to the metropolis for all the new publications, and while she was dressing her hair, and she could turn her eyes from the glass, she ran over those most delightful substitutes for bodily dissipation, novels. I say bodily, or the animal soul, for a rational one can find no employment in polite circles. The glare of lights, the studied inelegancies of dress, and the compliments offered up at the shrine of false beauty, are all equally addressed to the senses. When she could not any longer indulge the caprices of fancy one way, she tried another. The platonic marriage, Eliza Warwick, and some other interesting tales were perused with eagerness. 
nothing could be more natural than the development of the passions nor more striking than the views of the human heart what delicate struggles and uncommonly pretty turns of thought the picture that was found on a bramble bush the new sensitive plant or tree which caught the swain by the upper garment and presented to his ravished eyes a portrait fatal image it planted a thorn in a till then insensible heart and sent a new kind of a knight errant into the world but even this was nothing to the catastrophe and the circumstance on which it hung the hornet settling on the sleeping lover's face what a heart-rending accident she planted in imitation of those susceptible souls a rose-bush but there was not a lover to weep in concert with her and she watered it with her tears alas alas if my readers would excuse the sportiveness of fancy and give me credit for genius i could go on and tell them such tales as would force the sweet tears of sensibility to flow in copious showers down beautiful cheeks to the discomposure of rouge etc etc nay i would make it so interesting that the fair peruser should beg the hairdresser to settle the curls himself and not interrupt her she had besides another resource two most beautiful dogs who shared her bed and reclined on cushions near her all the day these she watched with the most assiduous care and bestowed on them the warmest caresses this fondness for animals was not that kind of attendrissement which makes a person take pleasure in providing for the subsistence and comfort of a living creature but it proceeded from vanity it gave her an opportunity of lisping out the prettiest french expressions of ecstatic fondness in accents that had never been attuned by tenderness she was chaste according to the vulgar acceptation of the word that is she did not make any actual faux pas she feared the world and was indolent but then to make amends for this seeming self-denial she read all the sentimental novels dwelt on the love scenes and had she thought while she read her mind would have been contaminated as she accompanied the lovers to the lonely arbors and would walk with them by the clear light of the moon she wondered her husband did not stay at home she was jealous why did he not love her sit by her side squeeze her hand and look unutterable things gentle reader i will tell thee they neither of them felt what they could not utter i will not pretend to say that they always annexed an idea to a word but they had none of those feelings which are not easily analyzed chapter one